use your 20s and 30s really wisely to save more aggressively for retirement because you do own it. You at least know in your 20s. For me as a, a baby boomer, we didn't get this notice until we were in our mid 40s or older. So the boomers, you know, we missed out 25 years of real saving and investing opportunity. The millennials, you have it. Take advantage. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. Hey, this is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I am in my home studio today. I am Roger Less, which is really hard for me, <laughs> but I am doing my best uh, doing the recording at home because we want to stay home and stay safe. Today, I am going to be talking with Marsha Mentel. She is somebody who has over two decades of experience in the retirement industry. She owns uh, her company is Mentel Retirement Consulting. She is an author. I think she's written more than one book, but we're going to be talking about her new book today called What's the Deal with Social Security for Women? So let's take a moment uh, to get our social security hats on and to welcome Marsha to Breaking Money Silence. It is so nice to hear you and see you, Marsha, on the Breaking Money Silence podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for the invitation. I am delighted to be here. Yeah, you know, I was really excited because we met a while back at the Women's Advisors Summit, and I have known of your work for years, and you have written another book, but then I found out recently that you came out with another book called uh, What's the Deal? Social Security for Women. And so, right up my alley. <laughs> Love the idea of women, money, and power. So I said, how can I not have her on the Women, Money, and Power series? So thanks so much for taking the time to do that today. Well, you're very welcome. And, and really, I think this is a great way to get conversations going for women. Because I, I also follow you, and I love what you're helping women do. It, it's just not always natural for us. So awesome. Awesome. Great. So tell me, Marsha, a little bit about kind of what inspires you to write this book and to, and to write on Social Security, which to me, to be honest with you, my initial reaction was like, oh, that's a dry topic. <laughs> you are in fine company, Kathleen. That's what most people do say. I find it fascinating, though. And, and here's the, the backstory. Um, I do, as you know, and like you, a lot of presentations. And I was, had the opportunity to develop and present on social security around the country. And an interesting thing was happening no matter where I was. I would have an open Q&A after the presentation and lots of questions from the audience, right? Hands flying, almost all men. Really? Yes. Occasionally a woman would also ask something specific. But then what happened after that, and we'd say, thank you, good night, there would be a line of women waiting and they would whisper their questions to me. So they heard what I had to say about the concepts or the math or how the program works, 
but then they'd come up and whisper something. And it's like, oh, they don't even want to ask their questions out loud. So then I started digging for resources, like, well, how can I help women get more comfortable talking about social security? And all I found were, and they're great resources, you know, for you and for me, when you want to know the history of social security and how the math works and what the actuaries are doing, lots of that, but <laughs> never applies to anybody. So I, what I wanted to do in this book was bring, yeah, you have to know a little bit of math, but not a whole lot but you need to apply your situation to the rules to figure out what this will mean to you. So that was the backstory, the backstory with this book. It's fascinating. I mean, I do have that experience sometimes with mixed audiences where women will come up later or whisper their questions or the senior person in the room that doesn't want to look vulnerable. <laughs> um, but I'm so glad that you discovered a way to really answer that need for that particular audience. I mean, I certainly am in that audience. Um, so reading this or starting to read it has been really helpful for me. Uh, you know, you said something about books being out there around the history. And one of the things I did find fascinating, given my work in gender um, in gender and money and working with female breadwinners and, and just really thinking mm -hmm. about women, money, and power, was the idea that when this uh, became, in, when Social Security was created, it was a very, very different society. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, just briefly, kind sure. of how women's roles were different and how that impacted how Social Security was written or crafted? Yeah, it's fascinating. I'm glad you liked that piece. Um, I think it's really important for people to understand because there's a lot of frustration about Social Security today. You know, I don't get enough. I didn't know I was going to get so little or it's going bankrupt. All things that are misconceptions. Uh -huh. So you do have to go back 100 years. And look, and it was 100 years ago, just now, women got the right to vote. That was a key element in actually driving Social Security forward. Um, we had a, a society, a culture that was changing and just about changed from agricultural, where families took care of each other. Women stayed home. You know, they tended the garden and the guys were in the field, but they also cared for the older generations. And then we had this whole situation where um, America, as we moved to the industrial nation, we broke apart the families. And now we had this whole population of elderly Americans, couldn't work after 65 for the most part, and had no means of support. So I think about it in terms of the stars finally aligned, or, or starting to align, and then the Great Depression hit. And that was that final straw that pushed Congress into taking real action, that we had to have a program that protected our elderly. We cannot have older Americans literally starving on the streets. So it was very different 100 years ago and 85 years ago. And so the first big step Congress took was 1935. They enacted the Social Security Act, and it covered workers. And that's a really specific term. Could be a man, it could be a woman, but back then really it was a man. <laughs> it was the husband who was the worker and he would get benefits at age 65. That was it. He would get benefits. So then very quickly thereafter, FDR's um, administration also recognized that working women might be working in the home. So- oh. They're Good part for FDR. I know. Isn't that great? And Frances Perkins, the first woman secretary of the cabinet, secretary of labor. So between them and somehow they managed to get Congress to agree that at-home moms were important. They were part of the stability of an economic 
household. So they too deserved retirement security. And women at home moms were eligible for one half of the workers benefit. So women did get something relatively much from the beginning, not quite, it took a few extra years, but spouses at home, spouses at home, wives in particular, got half of his benefit. So that was instrumental in starting the security, economic security or financial security for women as they age. And then the last piece was about survivors. So what happened back in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s? Who died first? Well, it was the, the husband. You know, they worked very, very heavy duty jobs in this industrial world and they got injured and they died first. Now what's a, um, a woman to do? You know, she would have no security very quickly, Social Security said, all right, we will also cover surviving wives, and they would be eligible for his benefit if he died first. Okay. It is about protection. It was about protecting women. So, so one thing that, that hits me, and granted, I know it's changed a little since, or maybe it hasn't. You'll tell me in a minute. Mm -hmm. But the wife, the stay-at-home wife gets half of what the worker I, I just feel yeah. like as somebody who talks about gender equality it's like well wait a second that person couldn't go to work if he had a family at home and she's doing a more than a full-time job so anyway so there's inequality in the system in society it was yes. in social security but these corrections were made now you flash forward to today marcia right you have 44 yes. percent of um uh, households have female breadwinners and now you have a almost half of the population um, where the women are taking the lead. That's not to say the husbands aren't working, but some husbands aren't. Some mm -hmm. are stay-at-home husbands. So yeah. how has the shifting, changing role of women in the workforce um, impacted, impacted how Social Security is calculated or how it's uh, given out? Um, because we're such a different society nowadays. We really are a different society. And I would tell you that Social Security, as it stands right this minute, is an antiquated model. So where it was very forward thinking in the 1930s and 40s to say, okay, at-home moms deserve something. You know, mm -hmm. so, okay, that was, that was a good start. But it hasn't moved forward. So workers, you know, you and me and all the, the working women out there, we do get a benefit that is the same calculated benefit. We, there's no penalty for being a woman except one. And that's the gender gap, the wage gap. So less in means less out. And that's because when you do the calculation for your benefit, and Social Security is individual benefits. So when yours is calculated in mine, all Social Security is going to do is look at your highest 35 years of earnings. Not Dan's, not your husband, just yours. So if you're not making as much for the same job as your male counterpart, that means less in and you're gonna have a smaller benefit. So I, just looking at some of the numbers, women who are at the higher pay scales, those who are taxable wage base and above, which is around $137,000 this year, if you're making that and a male is making that, you get the same benefit. Calculation is the same. Yep. But if you are subject to the almost 20% gender gap for that same job, you get 10% less in social security benefits which translates to over $110,000 over 30-year retirement. So that's where Social Security, the program, hasn't kept up with working women and, and what's happened. Or if you're the stay-at-home mom and you might have 10 or 15 years out of your earnings history, well, you get zeros. 
kind of there. You worked harder than anybody else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, you have no, no dollar value. So we, we have some work to do to really make this more equal in terms of the input to the output benefit. Got it. But Got I will it. say there are a couple places Social Security has done a better job, um, particularly with um, divorced women. So it used to be when Social Security started, you had to have been married to your ex-husband for 20 years or longer. Wow. Before you could get any benefit. Isn't that the was, average marriage seven years? Yeah. Something like seven to 10? Seven to 10. So today, and, and so it did change eventually, and women could get benefits on their ex, so long as it's a bigger benefit. Um, but if you were married 10 years or longer. So you still have to have established this economic union between the two of you. But then if the marriage dissolves after 10 years, you are entitled to at least look to see if you'll get a higher benefit and to get survivor benefits on your ex-husband. So, so wait, if you're divorced after 10 years and then your ex-husband dies, you can get survivor benefits on him? You can if you're oh, not ladies, married. Oh, ladies, ladies, yeah, if, ladies. Yeah, you can't, you can't get your current husband's benefit and your ex's. Okay. It's, a, it's a one or the other. A, you got to pick a husband? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it used to be 20 years. You know, a 20-year marriage is really a long-term marriage. So yeah, I think we're both in those, but yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and Dan's going nowhere that I know of, so we're all good there. But it's really important to, to see that Social Security has made some improvements. But we have to recognize it is a law and it's huge. It's like 4,800 pages in the law books. It, it, this is nothing small. So um, any changes that will improve women's benefits will take literally that act of Congress. Okay. So no, that's really, really helpful. I mean, I've just obviously learned something I didn't know. Not that I'm planning on getting rid of Brian after 23 <laughs> years either, but um, it's always good to know for my friends out there and people listening in. Now, one of the things that I hear from younger women, so millennials, um, is that, and whether it's men or women, quite frankly, is the idea that this system is antiquated. It's no longer going to be around. It's going to run out of money. So why, why bother learning about it? So I'm a millennial women, woman, excuse me, and I'm listening into this podcast. Why should I know about it, Marsha? Well, I'm happy to say, Kathleen, that I have two millennial daughters, as you know, and they're 23 and 28. And they've got, give or take, 40 years of working ahead of them. So should they care? Yes, they should care. And they need to care because Social Security will change. It probably won't look exactly like this 40 years from now. Okay. Um, but it's meant to be a social safety net for older Americans in retirement in a developed, a highly developed society. So something will be there. And when I challenge my girls, it's like, all right, you know, you, you go and be wildly successful. You be the multimillionaires. Hooray for you. You probably won't get so much Social Security. But you, you have other means, you have other options. But what if they become disabled? What if they, oh, God willing, get married, Kathleen, um, <laughs> and then divorced, not so God willing, um, and, or become a widow? Then the system is there. It's that kind of protection for women and men now. So the gender is gone out of Social Security. So if you become a widower and have the little kids at home, you would have a benefit. I think right. all those you know, protections will stay there. But for retirement, I would challenge all of my millennial, my, the, my girls, their friends, anyone in that generation, your phenomenal generation, you have 40 years. Use your 20s and 30s really wisely to save more aggressively for retirement because you do own it. 
you at least know in your 20s. For me, as a, a baby boomer, we didn't get this notice until we were in our mid-40s or older. So the boomers, you know, we missed out 25 years of real saving and investing opportunity. The millennials, you have it. Take advantage. I love that message. I really do. And I love the fact that, that uh, we're taking the gender out of it, because I think when mm. we talk about equality, it's not men, women should make more. It's that we should be equal no matter wh- how we identify in terms of our gender. Um, so I'm going to take a very quick break, Marsha, because I want to make sure that we have a moment for our sponsor, but we will be right back in a minute. Did you know that 44% of Americans would rather talk about politics, religion, and death than personal finance? And there's a real cost to this money silence, to society, your family, and the next generation. Kathleen Burns Kingsbury's new book, Breaking Money Silence, How to Shatter Money Taboos, Talk More Openly About Finances, and Live a Richer Life, explores the history of the money talk taboo and offers readers practical tips and tools for engaging in healthy financial communication. Pick up your copy today. Breaking Money Silence is available on Amazon and bookstores everywhere. Join the revolution at www.breakingmoneysilence.com. So welcome back, Marsha, to Breaking Money Silence. We are talking about social security and what women need to know. And I am learning a lot as a woman who knows a little bit about social security. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I, wanna, I wanna pick up where we left off. We were talking about millennial women and men and the fact that there's more uh, gender equality or gender is not such a factor in social security as it used to be. Um, but you know, I'm a passionate person. I, I love, as you know, talking about women's couples and families engaging in meaningful conversations. And when I started the podcast, politefully so, I said, you know, social security can be a little dry. So tell us how talking about social security might be a good topic for women to break money silence with. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I love this topic as a uh, a breaker, um, a, a, an entry, if you will, for women but it's partly generational, I would say. So I'll start with Dan and me. We've been married 37 years. We were so poor when we got married. All we talked about was money because we didn't have any. So for us, we've always talked about money, but we had a real revelation around age 50. We, at that time, Social Security and the administration, they have the fabulous website. It's ssa.gov. Everybody should go there, pull down your statement, set up your account and look at it. And then ask your husband to do the same or your wife if you're married to a wife. Mm-hmm. Sit down and have that conversation. And what ended up happening for Dan and me, we're looking at our two statements. We've been working since the late 70s. And very quickly, we see Dan has six zeros. It's like, oh my gosh, the statement's wrong. How could that be? So the 1980s, it didn't look like Dan was working. Well, we ended up going back. So here we've got instead of having me having to come up with a conversation starter, we have these two pieces of paper. Love that. Love that. Isn't that great? Because then you're looking at it and I'm going, Dan, what the heck happened to you in the 1980s? Well, it turns out in our case, Dan was in graduate school. He was getting a stipend or income a different way and no social security taxes were withheld at that time. That equals a zero on your statement. If you don't pay in, you don't get anything on the outside. So, what ended up happening, we first went down memory lane. Oh, the 1980s in Minnesota, wasn't that great? We were so poor, blah, blah, blah. 
And then you very quickly go to, hey, if you got all those zeros, you have to make them up on the other side. And it became a real, it, it, just a fascinating conversation because we had a set of facts that first of all, neither of us had ever seen. And then to look at it in terms of, it, the social security statement shows you how much you're entitled to at your full retirement age. And we said, what, only that much after all this hard work? And then we talked about who would work longer. Like, did Dan have to make up those six zeros in order for us to be more financially secure? So just having these two pieces of paper ended up this long dialogue, you know, part fun and part serious. So to me, that was just a huge opener of a conversation. And any married couple can do this. So you don't have to think of a question or, or be uncomfortable. It's just, hey, how much are we getting? Let's take a look. And it's very powerful. But if you're, I'm going to jump in right here for a minute because I love that example. Because one of the things that I talk about to the listeners, and I certainly um, train financial advisors and and other folks who are breaking money silence about, is the idea of it it often is helpful to have something that's external from you. So that piece of paper that that you're each staring at is outside of you. So you're talking about the piece of paper. And from a psychological standpoint, that brings down people's defensiveness. It opens up their curiosity and it becomes less a he said, she said, or she said, she said, yeah. or he said, he said, whatever the situation is. And it becomes more about let's investigate this thing outside of us together. Set so of it's facts. Wonderful, wonderful example. Um, yeah. So, you know, time goes so fast. We have just a couple more minutes. And I want to make sure, Marsha, I ask this question because I know it's going to be on listeners' minds. Okay. Um, what questions should women be asking? about social security, whether it's to their advisor, whether it's going to that website you mentioned, which we will put in the show notes. Um, We'll also put a a, a link to you. So if they have any questions, they can ask you directly. Um, But what questions should women be asking? And and do they differ if you're a female breadwinner, an entrepreneur, or a stay-at-home, like I like to call the CFO of your home, a stay-at-home mom? Yeah, it's great. We need to be able to ask these questions. So I'd say the first question to ask is, how much longer do I want to work? And that will directly translate to how big or not your benefit will be in Social Security. All women need to ask that question, um, including the at-home mom. Like, how long do I want to have to you know, run the household? I might want to do other fun things. Then you very quickly need to go to, well, how much do I want to spend? It, the, the relationship between the spending and the income is really important because Social Security will surprise you. It is not meant to replace your income. It doesn't provide you with anything other than what it was designed to do, a very modest safety net. And that okay. translates, you know, on average somewhere between $1,600 and $1,800 a month for an average wage earner. The top end, you'll get twenty-eight dollars to $2,900 a month. Well, if you're making, you know, $25,000 a month, $3,000 is not very much. So it, it's putting these pieces together. It's like, well, I'll get this from Social Security. That's your foundation. So ask about those numbers. And then how much do we think we'll spend? And start to tie it together. And for the at-home moms, what I, my experience with a lot of them has been um, they're not deserving, you know, they, they don't have an income. So that was always their husbands to do, to manage. It, it isn't. You have every right and every reason to know because you're going to be the one left holding the bag. 
if your husband dies first, then you don't know the passwords to the accounts. You don't even know what accounts you have. You, you don't know how to handle the money. You don't want to wait until you're too old or you're grieving exactly. to try and figure this out. So have a chat. And, and the quick advice I'd have is pick one day a month for, I call it family finance fund. Um, and you go through with, with your spouse or partner and you look at your checkbook and your credit card spending. And again, these are external tools, right? That you can talk about. And then once a year, Dan and I happened, just happened to do it over July 4th because the kids were gone way back when. We used that weekend as our fun money talk weekend. Like, what do you want to do in retirement? Do we want to live in this house anymore? Or where would we want to go? Where do we want to travel? And this year it was all about our charity strategies. You know, where do we want to do charitable giving and be more impactful? So it gives us an opportunity to enjoy the outside. We sit outside and do this in July and we don't yell. <laughs> nice. I love that. I love that. Well, those, I know that we've only scratched the surface on this topic, but you do such a great job of simplifying something. And it, you know what? You have turned me around. I do not think this is boring. I, oh, hooray. This is fascinating. <laughs> um, so I encourage people. And, and because my, for anybody who's seeing this on video, it's going to be backwards. Um, <laughs> what's the deal? Social security uh, for women. So what's the deal with social security for women is the book by Marsha McDonald Mantel. And um, I have so enjoyed our conversation today. So I really want to make sure, Marsha, that our listeners can find out uh, more about the work that you're up to. So what's the best way for them to reach you, reach out to you, and either hire you to do a speaking, um, a book signing, or a consultation? Oh, well, thank you for asking. Um, I write a, what I think is a really fun blog, Boomer Retirement Briefs. So it's got lots of great stories about how boomers are reinventing retirement resources and, and contacting me. And also uh, Facebook, Boomer Retirement Briefs. And Twitter is my favorite, at Marsha Mantel. Twitter's my favorite too, at KBK <laughs> Speaks. So well, I'll see you on Twitter, Marsha. Absolutely. <laughs> That's exciting. So thank you so much for your time today and for breaking money silence with me. And please, I happen to know your husband. Please tell Dan I said hello. <laughs> thank you. I will. Thank you, Kathleen. This was great fun. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.